Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say you look really good today. How you're in church, you can't lie. We've been on a series called Living with the End in Mind. How many of you believe God has a plan for you? You're not here by accident. God has foreordained so many things in our lives. Sometimes we forget what he's done for us. If you have your Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 2. And I want us to read a portion of scripture together. And let me set this up. Jesus... is lost. Now, if that's not a crazy statement, every year at Passover, Mary and Joseph would go to Jerusalem to the temple to celebrate Passover. At age 12, Jesus is with them. They celebrate Passover. And as they're going back to Nazareth, they have traveled at least one day into the journey. And um, they thought Jesus was with some friends or relatives that was in that trip. And after that one day of journey, they begin to look for Jesus. And they can't find Jesus searching for Jesus. And so they go back to Jerusalem and after three days of searching for Jesus, they find him in the temple. So this is what we're going to pick up. So just give you a little reference point here. Verse number 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers or the doctors and the lawyers of the Mosaic Law, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. I guess so. He is the living word. So they're talking about the word and the word was sitting right there with them, right? So when they saw him, they were amazed. His mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Do you know Jesus had the end in mind already at age 12? He was on point. He was on purpose. Age 12, he hadn't gone through bar mitzvah to be declared a, a full-grown man at age 13. So Jesus is headed somewhere, and by age 12, we already know it, don't we? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your mercy, your grace, your goodness. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. The teacher asked her, students in the fifth grade and the question was what do you want to be when you grow up little Johnny stood up and said I want to be a leader in business and technology and become a multi-billionaire I want to have an apartment in Monte Carlo a beach home in California an apartment also in New York City and a palace in Paris I want to find a lovely young lady and marry her the most beautiful girl and I want to give her a million dollar Ferrari I want to eat at the best, most expensive restaurants around the world. I want to live a jet-set lifestyle, have a Visa card that is unlimited, and I want to have a life like that. 
Johnny sat down with a big smile, and the teacher didn't know where to go after that statement. And so she discontinued on, and she said, Sarah, what do you want to be? And she said, well, I wanted to be a nurse, but now I want to be Johnny's girlfriend. <laughs> I guess that's why Carrie stayed a nurse. I'm not for sure. He kind of had the end in mind, didn't he? Let's rewind a little bit. Mary has Jesus in Bethlehem, and on the eighth day, he's circumcised according to the law of Moses, keeping the Abrahamic covenant. So, Jesus is circumcised. Mary has to go through a purification process, which takes 40 days. So, at the end of the 40 days, you're supposed to take the firstborn male to the temple and offer him to God. How many of you know the first fruits, the, the first of everything is offered to God? So, Mary and Joseph, they, they take Jesus to offer him, and that's where Simeon sees Jesus. They walk in with the baby, 40 days old. Simeon sees him, begins to prophesy, and said, Now I can die because I've seen the Lord's Messiah. Anna the prophetess is there. She begins to prophesy. So, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So Simeon establishes it and verifies it. Anna does. And so Mary and Joseph, they're looking at this. They're listening to this. You're to give a sacrifice at that uh, offering. And the sacrifice should be a lamb. But if you can't afford a lamb, you can sacrifice two turtle doves. Mary and, and Joseph sacrificed two turtle doves because they can't afford the lamb. But unbeknownst to them, they walked in with the lamb, didn't they? So here they are before the priest, and they offer up the sacrifice, and now they're going to head back to Nazareth. Now, what we do know is when they head back to Nazareth, this is what is said in verse number 39 in Luke chapter 2, 40 days old, when Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Have you ever wondered that the, the sketchiness of Jesus' childhood is not in Scripture? I mean, you do know that. So, so we have some sketchy things that we don't really have knowledge of or we're privy to. So let's fast forward here. Now he's age 12. They're going back to Nazareth again. Verse 51, then they went down to Nazareth. Uh, he went with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. So, so this is what we know uh, between 40 days... And 12 years, this is what we know about Jesus because it's mentioned twice. Everybody say twice. He grew, became strong, was filled with wisdom, grace was on him, in stature, in favor, with God and man. Steps. He grew in steps. You and I grow in steps and seasons and we have this progressive plan that God has for every person here. God has a plan for you, but it's in steps, it's in progression. It's not all in one big package or lump sum. Can I hear an amen? Incremental, progressive, ordered, and many times the steps do not look like a straight line. Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Egypt. I'll preach this side over here, okay. Egypt, back to Nazareth, Jerusalem. Sometimes your life and my life does not have a straight trajectory. It seems like it's all over the map. And sometimes we wonder why it's that way. Do you realize God never wastes anything in your life? 
He does not waste the pain. He does not waste the journey. He does not waste the good time or the bad time, the up, the down. God never wastes anything. I, I grew up old school. We always lived out in the country on a farm or ranch. And when it was the first cold day in November, my grandparents and my dad would get together and say, it's, it's hog killing time. How many of you know anything about hog killing time? You pick a very cold day, you go out, and you, you build the fire if you're going to scald the hog and scrape the hog. Do you realize they didn't waste anything with that hog? This was their line. We don't even waste the squeal. <laughs> I mean, they, they cooked the, the skin and the fat. They had cracklings. They cooked the brains. You'd open the refrigerator and there'd be a hog head sitting in. Thank God for McDonald's, right? I mean, it was crazy. They ate everything. They would put the pig's feet in a pot of beans. And goodness gracious, I'm glad I'm grown now. God doesn't waste anything either. And sometimes your trajectory seems like it's just all over the place. Let me just take you back a little bit further. Elijah and Elisha. See, Elijah is going to pass off the scene. God's going to take him to heaven. He has to have a prophet in his stead. So he goes by, and here's a guy that's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He's the 12th. How many of you know if you're plowing behind oxen, the view never changes? So, you know, you're looking at the back end of some oxen, and you're looking at them over and over and over again. Get up next day, next day, next day. And all of a sudden, the prophet of God comes by, throws the mantle over Elisha, and something happened. He felt the Spirit of the Lord. See, that mantle was symbolic of his office, his anointing, what God was doing in his life. And Elisha took the oxen, sacrificed them to God with the wood of the plowing instruments. You know what he's saying? I'm not ever going to go back to this again. God has something for me in the future. Amen? But I want to tell you, in that transition, when Elijah is getting ready to go to heaven, this is what he did with Elisha. He says, I'm going to go to Gilgal. You stay where we are. And I'm going to go ahead. And Elisha, let me tell you, he has some spiritual savvy. He said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. I'm not going to be left behind. I'm going to go forward. Wherever God's leading us, I'm going to be there. How many of you believe that's where you ought to be? And then all of a sudden he says, well, I need to go to Bethel. And uh, you stay here at Gilgal. And I'm going to go to Bethel. And Elisha said, oh, no, if you're going to go, Elijah, I'm going to go with you. So we're, we're going to Bethel. So they go to Bethel. And then he says, I need to go to Jericho. You stay at Bethel, I'm going to go to Jericho. And Elisha says, no, as the Lord liveth, if you go, I'm going to go. So here they go to Jericho. They get to Jericho. Elijah says, well, I need to go beyond Jordan. You stay here at Jericho. I'm going to go over here. Oh, no. If you're going, I'm going. Let me tell you, this is a crazy plan. Because if you got a map of Israel, this is what it looked like. Okay, we're going to go to Gilgal. We're going to go to Bethel. We're going to go to Jericho. We're going to go beyond Jericho. This thing is going from here to there to there to there to there, and it's certainly not a straight line. You are here today because God had a purpose in mind for you. And sometimes the ups and the downs where you were, where you served, where you lived, the hurt, the pain, all of that factors in to what God's doing for you today. God doesn't waste anything. 
your experience, what you felt, what you went through, and you thought, God, why didn't that work out? Why didn't I end up here? Why didn't I go there? I tell you what, God had a journey for you, and he is in charge. Can I hear an amen? amen. So therefore, he has this plan to give you, according to Jeremiah, an expected end because he's thinking good thoughts about you. God loves you. And he cares for you. And he has a plan for you. And he has direction for you, right? So why is this incredible journey so crazy? Well, why are you at Gilgal, Elijah? Why are you bringing Elisha to Gilgal? You see, this is the first place that Israel camped out when they crossed the Jordan River to conquest the land. And for 40 years, they had not circumcised their kids. They were not keeping the covenant. For 40 years they wandered, and when they got right across the river, they camped at Gilgal, and this is what the Lord said. You're not going to go any further until you get in covenant relationship with me. You have got to keep my word. You've got to be in covenant relationship with me, so you can't go any further until you have the right of circumcision. You must cut away your flesh. Oh, wow, that's tough, isn't it? My flesh sometimes rises up. Does your flesh ever do that? The pride of life. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Y'all are so holy. I've got to go to a place called Gilgal and I have to circumcise my heart and my mind and my flesh. It's the place, this is the name of the place, Gilgal, because it's called the place of the rolling away. You got any things you need to roll away? Yeah. But, but, Elisha, you stay here. I'm going to go to Bethel. Oh, no, if you're going to Bethel, I'm going. Why are we going there? You see, this is the first place that Abraham, when he came to Canaan, it's his first altar he ever built at Bethel. It is the first time he built an altar, sacrificed, and called on the name of the Lord at Bethel. It was a man by the name of Jacob, very young, who was on the run, and he laid his head down on a stone at Bethel, and he began to see dreams and visions he had never seen before. A stairway appeared, and the angels ascended and descended. It was where he got his vision and his dream. But you can't stay at Bethel. We're going to go to Jericho. Why Jericho? Because that's the first major battle when you cross the river to possess the land. Do you know at Jericho, that's where you see the walls begin to come down in your life. How many of you know our God is a wall breacher? Our God will break down the barriers in your life. You see, everywhere you go, God shows you something. He strengthens you, gives you favor with God, gives you favor with him, gives you favor with men. God's on a mission with you. And with me. So here he is at Bethel going to Jericho, the place where the walls fall. And Israel's victorious. Well, you know, Elisha, if you want to stay here, stay here. But I've got to go beyond the Jordan River. I've got to go places that maybe you haven't been. This is our journey. We're going to the next chapter, the next step, step by step. New experiences, new heights, a new level, new adventures. And on the way, 
Elisha asks a question. He says, I'm really not sure what's going to happen here, but uh, if the Lord's going to take you, could I have a double portion of what you have? The gall of this young prophet. Could, could I have a double portion of your spirit? And here's the amazing thing. Elijah told him how to get it. He said, if you keep your eyes on me, if you watch, you get transfixed on this amazing experience. And I don't know if Elijah absolutely knew everything was going to go on, but I, I knew and, 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 and I know that he knew something was up, right? And all of a sudden, while they're conversing and while they're there, a chariot of fire comes and parts the two. And a whirlwind begins to whirl around Elijah and begins to suck him up and lift him up into the heavenlies. And as he goes up, Elisha is watching this marvelous miracle. And Elijah takes the mantle that's draped on him, this symbol of anointing and power and position, and pulls it off of him and drops it down. And picture in your mind this mantle wafting down from the heights of the sky. And Elijah is positioning himself to run under it and grab it. And hold on to it. And then he goes back to the Jordan River. And in his mind, he's wondering, I wonder if I really did get it. You ever wondered if you had it? Sometimes you think you lost it. And you wonder if you have it. How many of you know the gifts and calling of God are without repentance? And so this young prophet Elisha takes that mantle and wraps it around his hand and wrist. And he, he, he comes to the water and he smites the water of the Jordan River and he says, where's the God of Elijah? And all of a sudden the waters part and Elisha walks over on dry ground. I think he said on the other side, I got it baby. I mean, this is a real deal. I mean, th th this is moving, this is shaking, but guess what? He didn't go straight to beyond Jordan and walk across the river of the power of God. He had to go to Gilgal. He had to go to Bethel. He had to go to Jericho. He had to go beyond Jericho. And every experience he had strengthened him, gave him favor, gave him what he needed to be the person he needed to be in that office, right? God doesn't waste anything with you nor me. So we have to realize just as Jesus had to grow, increase in wisdom, strength, stature, favor, and grace, if Jesus went through that process, guess what? You'll probably go through it too. The servant is not above the master. If Jesus went through that and had to grow and mature and gain, then you and I will have to do the same thing. Joseph, age 17, has a dream, has a vision. They're, they're shocking grain. They're, they're sheaving the grain. And in this dream, his brothers and dad, their sheaf begin to bow down to his. And he told them. And they didn't like it. How many of you know they hated him for his dream? Then he had another dream, the moon and the sun and the 11 stars begin to make obeisance to him. And he told it again. They hated him even the more. And then there's that experience in the pit. Remember, they, they took him, threw him in the pit. They're contemplating his death. 
hearing his own brothers wanting to kill him, selling him into slavery, ends up at Potiphar's house. While he's there, uh, we, we love to say Potiphar had a Hotifer, and uh, Mrs. Potiphar uh, tried to have sex with him, and he refused, and he spurned, and she false accused him of something that he did not do. Then he went to prison, and then he's helping people in prison. Remember me, and guess what? They forgot him. Could, could we say... Joseph, what, what do you think? Well, I felt like I had a call of God on my life, but wouldn't it have been easier if God had just took me from my brothers and put me beside Pharaoh and I could just skip all that other stuff in between? And I think the Lord would say, yeah, but you would have not been the man that you were and you would have not had the position you had and the strength and the wisdom and the wherewithal to know what it is to go through struggle and strive and to grow in favor and to have all those things happen to you. You would not have been the person you needed to be over here if you hadn't gone through that, amen? You see, even if your brothers hate you and you go to prison and you're falsely accused and they forget you there, God still has a plan for you. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't understand why I went through this. I mean, why was I falsely accused? Jim, I don't know. I don't know, Jim, why you were falsely accused. But I know this, it didn't take God by any surprise. How many of you know, God has a plan for all of us here and we are headed somewhere and in that, God takes you from A to B and he may take you through N M L O. P, Q, R. He may take you to places you don't even know where you're going. Why? Because he has an end in mind for you and I. Can I hear an amen? Would you get a pencil and paper out? I've got 10 minutes. How many of you will hang in with me for 10 minutes? Okay, let's ask the other half. How many of you will hang in with me for 10 minutes? I want to give you nine quick things to reach your destination. Nine quick things to reach your destination. Here's number one. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. Do you know the Apostle Paul said that the, the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened? The eyes of your heart. Do you know your understanding of your heart has eyes? Oh, not physical eyes. But you can see things in the spirit that you cannot see with your natural eye. We have got to see it. And even when we can't see far enough, we still move to what we see. There's an illustration that's been used so many times. If you come tonight, we're going to be teaching about angels, demons, and devils again tonight. But if you come tonight, we go through the service, and we have fellowship. And if the clouds, you know, cloud up and it gets dark outside, and you come into the church and say, Pastor Mike, I'm in trouble. I can't get home. Why? My headlights don't shine all the way to my house. Well, number one, we'll have to pray for you. <laughs> Guess what? This is what we know. If you just keep moving in the light you have, your car will get you home. But if you're expecting your car to shine all the way to your driveway, how many of you think you're a nut job? <laughs> how many of you know in the church we have some nut jobs? I deserve a better amen than that. In the church, sometimes we have a nut job or two or three or four. There's no nut like a spiritual nut. Okay. You walk in the light that you have. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. You've got to see it. Martin Luther 
King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. But you can see that step, and you see that step, and that step, and that step, and that step. I was sitting here the other day, right here on this pew, and the Lord spoke to my spirit. I didn't hear a voice from heaven, but the Lord spoke to my spirit and said, some people are waiting for the next big thing, and they're going to miss it. When you're looking for the next big thing, let me tell you, the next big thing will happen by this step and 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 this step. You've got to see it and begin to take the steps to it. Secondly, you've got to start it. You've got to see it and start it. Listen, you can have a dream and a vision, but if you don't begin to move, it's still just a dream and a vision. It does not become reality. So you have to start it. The longest journey starts with the first step, and sometimes it's just baby steps. Let me tell you what Isaiah 28 and 11 says. It will be precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. This is God's plan. He said it's this and it's this and it's this and it's this and this and this. We're waiting for the next big thing and God says that's not how I work. I work by precept and precept, line by line, here a little and there a little. If you're waiting for the next big thing and hadn't done your little, you may be waiting for a long time. Just be faithful, you see it, and then you start it. And then you forget it. Pastor, what? You forget it? How many of you have got some things in your life you'd like to forget? Okay, five people. If we put some of your failures or sins or iniquities on these big screens, how many of you would want to burrow in the concrete... Let me talk about me. If you put some of the things I've done in my life on these screens, I would be so embarrassed. But this is what I know about all of us. We've all fallen and failed, and there are none righteous, no, not one. So when I am seeing something and I'm starting something, I know the enemy will come to you and whisper on your shoulder, but look at your failure. Look what you've done. You've messed this up. Look how you did this and you did this and you did this. And how many of you know he is the accuser? And he'll have some help. He'll have some people that will get around you and accuse you, right? Do you remember when you failed, when you, when you did this and you did that? Sometimes when you see it and you start it, you got to forget it. Forget what? All of those past things that are hindering your journey to where you're going. Do you realize when you come to Christ and you truly repent and you ask him to cover your sins with the blood, God does not remember those anymore. There's a verse the minor prophet said, he puts them in a sea of forgetfulness and does not remember them against us no more. And he puts out a sign that says no fishing. He does not want you to go to fish those things back up. He does not want you to pick those back up. You see, sometimes our past mistakes can hold us back if that's our focus. So we see it, we start it, and some things we have to forget it. And now we have to believe it. We have to believe it. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God.
So what you see, you have to believe. You've got to get that in your spirit. So we, we get it in our hearts by faith. We believe what the Word says. We believe what God says. And we move forward in faith. Can I hear any man? Then we talk it. We talk it. Because faith speaks. You know what Joseph did when he had that first dream? He went and told it. You know what he did when he had the second dream? He went and told it. You know what you should do? When God puts something in your heart, what do you do? You tell it. It becomes our confession. It becomes a word of faith. We're speaking it. Nothing happens till you speak. You know how God created everything? He spoke it into existence. Before God ever does a thing, he says a thing. It's just so much like God, right? So we have to believe it and we tell it. And then we work it. Say that with me. We work it. Sometimes, Jack, it's hard to get people to work, isn't it? I'm telling you, I hear of so many employers and, and different people in business. They're saying people do not know how to work. We have to engage we have to work it because faith without works is dead. If you don't work it, if I don't work it, we might believe it, but we have to put feet to our prayer. We have to work it. Then we have to develop it. We have to develop it. You see, God can give you a gift, but you have to develop it. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So it is a grace gift. The, the word there in the Greek is the word charis. How many of you have ever heard the word charis? Or you've heard the term charismatic. It simply means a grace gift. You didn't earn it. You didn't develop it uh, w without that gift being given to you. But once it is given to you by grace, you didn't earn it. You can't buy it. God graciously gave it to you. Now what are you going to do with what he gave you? Right? What if he gives you five talents? What does he expect you to do with it? Go earn more. Hold my five, I've gained five. What if he gives you two talents? What does he want you to do with it? Go increase it, gain it. So he, he says, here's two, gains two. What happened to the guy who had one and did nothing with what the, the master gave him? He buried it, gave it back to him, and he said, you wicked and unprofitable servant, cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Goodness gracious, let me develop what I got. I may not have as much as you, but whatever I got, let me work on it. Let me develop it. Let me increase my skills. Let me increase what I'm doing right. So not only do I believe it, but I've got to tell it. I've got to work it, and I've got to develop it, right? And here's number eight. I've got to enjoy it. I want to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Joseph, did you enjoy the pit? Not really. Did, did you enjoy being falsely accused? Not really, Mike. Did you enjoy prison? Not really. But I sure enjoyed being by the throne. I sure enjoyed being the most powerful man in the Egyptian dynasty. But you see, sometimes you don't get there until you've gone through here and sometimes the things that we think are the worst things in our life is the things we look back and we say I really enjoyed that in my own way and Paul put it this way he said I've learned say that with me I've learned didn't come automatic right I've learned that in any state that I'm in how to be content
I've learned how to be content. Content doesn't mean parking. Content means I'm enjoying the moment, I'm enjoying the process, but I am pressing to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm here, I'm going to enjoy, but this is not where I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep moving to my end. I'm going to keep moving to my destination. I'm going to keep moving to where I'm going, and God doesn't waste any experience in that movement in my life. The suffering, the pain, the ups, the downs, everything there, I'm going to enjoy the journey because you only get one journey. And here's the last one. Not only do I want to enjoy it, but I want to be thankful for it. I want to be thankful for it. When you and I develop a life of thanksgiving, it is always precious because every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father. So I want to be thankful for it. Be thankful for my wife, my children, be thankful for you. Be thankful that I can worship with hundreds and hundreds of people every Sunday. Be thankful that I can be called son of God. Be thankful that I'm a child of God. Be thankful that God wants to use me. You see this art of thanksgiving, this attitude of thanksgiving permeates through all of our life. You can tell it, work it, develop it, enjoy it, but also be grateful for it. You see, as I close, this is what I want you to catch. No matter where you are on this journey, you're going to question, God, why was I there? Why did I go through this? Why was this so difficult? Why did I have so much pain over here? And let me tell you, God is not on the throne saying, Mike, I don't know. I guess we messed up. I'm not for sure. How many of you know he's still large and in charge? And all things work together for good. Don't misinterpret that verse. That verse does not say all things are good. Because I can tell you some things I've gone through that wasn't good. That was heart-wrenching. That literally almost stopped me. Made my heart flutter. Wonder if I could recover, take another step. Have you been there? I think there's a lot of people here today that's felt that. And you may be here today and you're feeling that right now. But God will not waste that. If you were at Gilgal, he had a purpose there. If you were at Bethel, he had a purpose there. If you're at Jericho, he has a purpose there. If you go beyond Jordan, he has a purpose there. Why? He's getting you to an end that he says that's an expected end. And he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you. Not evil, but they're good. And his ways are not my ways and his thoughts aren't my thoughts. But I think you're here today because you needed to hear God has you on the move to your expected end. Isn't that encouraging? Because a few times in your life, you're going to ask this question. God, do you even know where I am? And he's going to say, yes, I do. Before you were ever born, I knew you. I know every hair on the top of your head. Or, Corey, I know every hair that used to be on the top of your head. There is nothing that you will go through 
that I don't know about. And there's nothing you will ever go through that he doesn't know about. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.